Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody, again joined by the fabulous writer for The Daily Beast and author of the upcoming book, Go Back to Where You Came From, Wajahat Ali. Waj, I mean, groundbreaking, breaking news. Democracy is shaking right now at what the 1-6 Commission has uncovered with the barrage of text messages that Mark Meadows has received. There has been a vote um, to hold Mark Meadows, Trump's former uh, chief of staff and former member of Congress, uh, in criminal content, uh, contempt, which has not happened, by the way, since the Nixon years, uh, since Watergate. And the text messages that are coming out, not only from inside of the Capitol building from members of Congress, but from Donald Trump's own spawn, um, from members of Fox News, what do you make of what we have learned thus far this week? Thank you, Mark Meadows, for being an idiot and releasing all this treasure trove of information and then deciding to stop and say, no, 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 executive privilege. So I appreciate it that you got terrible legal advice, gave all this information willingly to the Select House Committee, which then very wisely used the television late at night to read out the text directly it was a genius move. And the person who did it was Liz Cheney because she's a cold-blooded Republican who voted with Trump 93% of the time, and they know how to message. And what we realize is that the Fox News disinformation network, which is state TV, let's be honest, mm -hmm. the biggest hosts there, Ingram, uh, Sean Hannity, and Brian Kilmeade of Fox News and Friends, realized this was a coup, that this was dangerous, that it was disastrous. We also realized that Kevin McCarthy, I hate calling him a House Minority Leader because he's a spineless amoeba, called Donald Trump and said, hey, call this off. You know, we're stuck. We're here. And Donald Trump ignored him. Donald Trump pretty much is like, well, these people seem to take the, 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 the elections more seriously than you do. And then we also got this other very disturbing uh, text from an unnamed Republican uh, elected official kind of groveling and distraught at the fact that all their attempts to overthrow the election didn't work. So what we're witnessing, if you just step back, is mm -hmm. an entire Republican and conservative ecosystem that was working hand in hand to overthrow a free and fair election, number one. 
Number two, like hypocrites, they knew while it was unfolding in real time that it was disastrous. Five people died, ladies and gentlemen. And number three, since then, they're such cowards and hypocrites. Instead of having the courage of their conviction to say this was bad, because that's what they were saying in those text messages. Instead, that same night, Laura Ingram went, tried to downplay what happened and blamed Antifa. And they're trying to blame Antifa, blame Joe Biden, downplay it, you know, call it a false flag operation. That's what Tucker Carlson said. And so now what they're doing is a massive one-year cover-up and gaslighting of America, which should incense you, number one, but further incense you because they knew from their own words how terrible this was. I mean, you know, reading, listening to Liz Cheney for nearly nine minutes, read some of the most damning text messages from the treasure trove, like you say, that Mark Meadows gave over to the commission was so startling because once again, it takes me back to that moment. It takes me back to sitting in this very living room, watching the television, the smoke billowing out of the Capitol building and thinking to myself stupidly, foolishly, this is the end of Trumpism because there is no way that we as a nation are going to watch our democracy literally go up in smoke with thousands of people using hockey sticks and fire extinguishers and barricades, beating back police who, but a couple of months ago, they wanted to say blue lives matter during the summer uprisings over the murder of George Floyd. I said, this is it, right? And then as you so eloquently tweeted this week, the collective gaslight began, mm -hmm. right? Much in the same way that we learned now of the PowerPoint presentation that was done to create this coup. There was a collective push by all of these entities to say, this never happened. And if we say together that this was a lone tourist group, we don't know why everybody's making such a big deal, this never happened, then we could all start questioning ourselves and say, well, did it happen? Was it just good lighting and, and, and Hollywood production and, and direction that we all saw on 1-6? But by their very own words, by their very own words of fear in that moment, because that's what I heard. It was fear. Mm. It was Don Jr. saying, this has gone too far. Because, you know, the thing about Trumpism and the whole uh, atmosphere around Donald Trump is about pushing the envelope. Let us push our democracy. Let us bend the laws just to their, you know, feel, as you would say, if you were a fitness instructor, move through your feel good edge, get, mm. get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? That's mm. what you say during workouts. But that was the mentality of this entire administration. We're going to push our com our constitution to the point of breaking, but then as it gets there, we're going to pull back. But 1-6 was them attempting to pull back and realizing that the horse was already out, right? Running. And so when, when, you, when we see this now, and yes, it was very well done by Liz Cheney, who voted with Donald Trump over 90% of the time, to read out those tweets on prime time. What I am realizing, Waj, is that I don't think public opinion matters anymore. Mm. I don't think it, that it matters with gun control. I don't think that it matters with abortion. It damn sure doesn't matter with the COVID-19 vaccine. I don't think that it matters with the insurrection. Do you? Do you? What, what do you think is going to be 
the fallout of us realizing that Fox News from the moment jump was gaslighting the hell out of their millions upon millions of viewers on the night of 1-6. So it's the, the reason why back in the day and while this was happening, I said that the Republican Party will further radicalize, weaponize and become a pro-death cult. Uh, is not because like I'm an oracle, right? It's like, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm that cynical in that I realize that oh my god, a violent insurrection that leaves five people dead will be the turning point. No, I've been paying attention to this movement, and I believe they're playing for all the marbles. January sixth, the violent insurrection to me was business as usual. It's the normal course with of the radicalization process. And furthermore, I thought that once, uh, hopefully, if Biden became president, which he did. They would not stop. They would double down and attack truth, which is what authoritarians do, which is what Steve Bannon said. You have to flood the zone with shit, literally flood the zone with so much chaos that people become overwhelmed. They can't pay attention. There's nine crises. You got to focus on three, six of them slide and they become normalized. Whereas Democrats, remember Obama wore a tan suit one time and became mm -hmm. news for like two weeks. And so this is the strategy of former autocrats. There's only one truth, capital T, that belongs to me, the autocratic leader. I am your savior. I am your defender. And I am going to protect you from everyone else who is your enemy, the institutions, the deep state, law enforcement, uh, you know, the, the, the Democrats. And anyone who becomes the enemy of the leader becomes your enemy. And anyone I attack, you have to attack. And anyone who likes me likes you as well. And so we're seeing this happen where the big lie now contaminates Danielle a majority of Republican voters who believe that Donald Trump, who lost the election, won the election. And then you see Tucker Carlson doing his job, uh, using not necessarily his show, but uh, an outlet on Fox calling uh, January 6th a false flag operation, right? Flood the zone with shit, disinformation, blame conspiracy theories, make people not believe their own eyes or hear their own ears. And what you get is an alternative reality where about a third of this country believes that the January 6th insurrectionists were heroes and patriots using violence to reclaim a democracy that was stolen from them. And if you look at the data, nearly a third of Republicans, which is like 20 million people, believe that violence is justified in this current moment to take back the country. And so am I surprised? I am not. Now, the question then is, the second question you have here is, well, what do the rest of us do? Mm -hmm. The thing that... to the thing that they're banking on, okay, is that the majority, and we are the majority, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening, they want the majority to tap out, be exhausted, drown in the, the, the flooded zone of shit. A small, zealous, organized minority can carve up a majority, flabby, you know, moderate majority like butter. Always. If you have to give me a choice between a small X-Force Right <laughs> to to carve up the majority, they'll carve us up, and so for us, what we have to do is not tap out, be informed, be aware, keep being outraged, and now we have to flex upon the majority that we have elected into office to do their effing job, and so what we need is this commission to come out almost on a daily basis and inform the people. We know, as people in the media, we know how our industry works. If it bleeds, it leads. This is sexy. This is leading the news today, by the way, if you've, if you've noticed, mm -hmm. right? This has to lead 24-7 leading up to the elections. And then you got a tag team with the Justice Department. Justice Department is not supposed to be partisan. It doesn't have to be partisan. I just want the Justice Department to do their job. 
follow the evidence. The evidence is damning. And then I want accountability. And then you hit them with accountability. You get them arrested. You get some freaking fines. I want people in jail. And people might say, oh, it doesn't matter. But I'll say this. Steve Bannon spent a year orchestrating a smear campaign against Clinton, tying Clinton to corruption. We found out when it came to the 2016 election, that narrative stuck. Mainstream media picked it up and it affected just enough voters, Daniel. So I'm thinking that we get the majority and you peel off enough voters and you do the right thing, warning people as to what's happening. And then you and I were talking right before we taped. I said, it's time to name things for what they are. This was not a disagreement. This was a coup. There was no economic anxiety. This was racial anxiety. It's a white supremacy reclamation project. This is not a racial trip up. It's racism. And so you name it, you say it, you repeat it, and then you see the accountability. And we have one year until the 2022 election, excuse me, the 2022 elections. And you pray to God that this is enough to motivate Joe mother effing mansion to do the right thing, amend the Phyllis Buster and get us voting rights. But I don't think he's going to budge. This show. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Act Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. was part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming, and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. 
Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. And this is, this is the thing, too, is that everything that you just laid out that Democrats need to do in order to just peel off just enough. We're not talking about trying to win over the 75 million people that voted for Donald Trump. Not We're talking happen. about peeling off just enough of people who have been mildly corrupted by Trumpism to say, you know what? This shit that went down was terrifying, right? This is actually not okay. And the people that I tune into every night on Hannity and Laura Ingram in their quiet, dark place said, (laughs) oh my, this is going to be bad for us. I mean, Laura Ingram said, this is hurting all of us. So when we would just to go back to what you said at the jump, which is that Fox, right, which we're no longer going and, and Lawrence O'Donnell tweeted this as well. No, stop calling F- Fox News, Fox News. Yeah, I haven't done that in Mur- a while. I yeah. just call it Fox. Uh, R- Rupert Murdoch named it right. Knowing good goddamn well, he was creating infotainment. Right. And I, I very light on the info, very heavy on the tainment. Right. Correct. And so. So you have Fox, you have these people who knew in the moment, this is going to be bad for all of us, which is essentially admitting they are state TV, Yeah, that they had, they had no, they had no intention of, of having like clear balanced debates, as they say, we're fair and balanced with the uh, incoming Biden administration and with what Trump has done. They just saw what was happening and realized they didn't want to go down with the Titanic because they had been so in the bag for Donald Trump and Trumpism. But here's the thing that I continue to wonder. You're in this moment. You have barricaded yourself in a room. You are frantically calling the president of the United States. You are frantically calling his chief of staff. Fox News is watching this. Fox, excuse me. People on Fox are watching this happen. You're watching it take place across all news networks on the internet. What was their decision then, Waj, to be like, yeah, so we're just going to move on. We're just going to, as Condoleezza Rice said a couple of months ago on The View, we just need to turn the page. The American people don't care about this, Waj. They care about gas prices. Well, because Tucker said that we create the news, right? They create the content. So they create the news and they create the message that they send to about a third of this country that has radicalized them. Once they realize that their base doesn't care, once they realize that they're competing with Newsmax and One America News Network, which, by the way, was created uh, thanks to uh, AT&T, which uh, wanted more conservative uh, news channels. Thank you, AT&T, for helping destroy democracy, by the way, just for profit. Once they realize that, oh, no, the right wing is getting nuttier, they realize that they can't moderate. They have to get nuttier, right? That's what their base wants. That's what the audience wants. The audience craves conspiracy theories, rage, anger, and racism because they have been radicalized by Fox News. So then they realize, oh, well, we, our audience lives on Earth 3, where Trump won the election. Our audience lives on Earth 3, where Antifa is more dangerous than white supremacists. Our audience lives on Earth 3, where they think there's an invasion of MS-13 in a caravan. Okay, we can just keep shoveling the shit in their mouths and they'll take it. So Mm. why do we have to talk about it? We don't. And so case in point, yesterday, 
uh, we're recording this, but yesterday, you know, that was breaking news. They literally, and by them, I'm talking about Liz Cheney and elected officials, mm-hmm, read mm-hmm. the texts of Laura Ingram and Brian Kilmeade and, and Sean Hannity. You would think if Fox News Channel was a news channel, this is big news. Fox News would cover news. Fox News would cover the fact that their hosts are part of national news. Didn't even talk about it. It's Tuesday right now. It's almost like it's the late afternoon. We're recording this. It's been a day. They have yet to mention this at all. Why? They don't have to. Audience doesn't care. I mean, and and so this is my point. You have a very big part of the country that is under the spell, willingly so, under the spell of Fox and Rupert Murdoch, right? And then you have the rest of us that are living on Earth One, that are recognizing that everything around us is crumbling. And yet we're still trying to convince Joe Manchin that this is happening. And I'm like, did Joe Manchin have the TV on this week when he's watching and listening to the tweets that are coming through and is he still thinking, you know, but the filibuster is super important. We need not do anything to protect our democracy. We need not do anything with voting rights because, you know, the filibuster. I'm like, I feel insane. And I have to say, and I said this before we started too, you as a parent, I don't, I, I give you so much praise because I have no idea what the hell you are telling your kids right now. I have no idea what any parent, whether you are parenting little kids, right, who happen to kind of walk into the room when the news is on, or older kids that are in middle school and high school, like what are parents, what what are your peers who are parenting, what are they telling their kids about what is transpiring in our country right now? So I have three kids. Uh, one is age seven, my son, uh, my daughter's five, and my baby daughter's two. And every every parent, you know, has the fear of just security. How do I keep my child safe? So it's like, how do I keep my child physically safe? How do I keep my child safe from coronavirus? How do I keep my child, you know, uh, financially secure? But now there's an extra added uh, fear of disinformation. How do I protect my child from rampant disinformation that has radicalized so many people? And I think now it's an extra effort on us parents to educate and inform our children, which is what we, we try to do. So I'll give you one example. There's coronavirus disinformation, thanks to Fox News. The hypocrisy of Fox News hosts, if I may for a moment, all of them secretly realize how terrible the January 6th coup is. That night, they downplay it. All of them realize how dangerous coronavirus is, which is why all of them are vaccinated and there's a mask policy and vaccine policy in Fox News, but they go on air and they promote vaccine disinformation. All of them attack the elitists and the wealthy as they retreat back in their Mercedes and drive back home to the mansion, right? They're all frauds, all of them, right? And so the thing is, my kids, if you sit down with kids, kids are very sensitive. That's what people need to realize. They're very smart. They're very aware. And they they get they get blitzkrieged with information, right? You try to protect your child and you can't. So I'll give you two examples. I wrote an article about this recently where, you know, for the, my daughter's whole life, we have tried to protect her from colorism, which is rampant in South Asian communities, rampant in black communities, and rampant mm-hmm. in all brown communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, praising her brown skin and her beauty. She's a stage four cancer survivor. Like, you know, uh, just, you know, giving her all these different dolls, Princess and the Frog and Moana next to Rapunzel, next to Miss Marvel and talking about the beauty of her caramel skin and chocolatey skin, this and that. A couple of months ago, she says, Baba, I think I want to be light skin. Light skin's more beautiful. Why am I mentioning that example? Because no matter how much of a fortress you create, 
yep. whiteness and, yep. and, and narratives somehow get through. When it comes to coronavirus, same thing. What we've tried to do is educate our children about the horrors of coronavirus, right? In a way that they understand. There's coronavirus. There's a pandemic. This is how the virus spreads. Children, this is why we ask you to wear masks. And hopefully you'll get the vaccines and then you can be safe. And then once we get the vaccines, then you can go on meat kits. Thank you for being so patient. This will pass, inshallah, one day and sanitize your hands. So here's my children, ages 7, 5, and 2. They wear masks anytime they go out. I don't have to tell them. They sanitize their hands as soon as they get back in the minivan. They got vaccinated, proudly got vaccinated, showed off their arm, I took a photo, and they realize once the pandemic is over, once they have enough antibodies, they can go visit people. Which means that even children, Daniel, mm. understand mm -hmm. this. Because children, that's why when people infantilize uh, Republican voters, it pisses me off. They're like, like kids. I'm like, nope, not my kids. My kids get it. And, and this is what we're dealing with is instead selfish, reckless, racist people who are radicalized by disinformation. But we have to, as parents, counter that to protect them from disinformation and also to protect them from the horrors of the world because so many kids, and last thing I'll say about this is we're lucky our kids are happy. There are a lot of kids who are depressed. Yep. There are a lot of kids who miss school. Yep. There are a lot of kids who are, are on some drugs right now for that depression. Their suicides have gone up. And so that's another fear is about the despondency that we're all feeling right now during the pandemic. You have to be in check with your kid to make sure their feelings and their mentals are a-okay because oftentimes they suffer in silence as well. And my friend just texted me yesterday. He said a woman in her early 30s, she's a coworker, said, I'm going to stay at home. People didn't hear from her in two days, killed herself. And he's like, wow, who would have thought? Had everything going for her, but there's a pandemic. <laughs> Finances, chaos, white supremacy, racism, climate change, uh, loneliness. You're, you're, you, I, you know, my, can you imagine the pain? And, I, and this is for a lot of listeners now. I think we're two years into the pandemic. Everyone has yeah. a story. My mother's uh, great aunt, my mother's mother's sister, Pakistan. Everything's going well. Pretty healthy. Young. Gets coronavirus. Two weeks later, dead dies by herself in the Pakistani hospital because she couldn't have people come visit her because the pandemic was raging at that time. Imagine what that does to a person that you can't go see your mom or your sister as she's dying, right? So, so many of us are in pain, Danielle, and I think it's healthy for us to talk about it. I think, you know, when you always say, oh, am I going crazy, Waj? I'm like, you're not going crazy. And like, oh, this gives me a space to talk. We need a spaces to talk. Yeah to make sure that we're not being gaslit, to make sure we're checking in on each other, uh, to make sure that there's joy in our lives. And I'm sorry for this little this little rant, but I know many of the listeners right now, you know, you, you're in a place where you're, you're getting so outraged. This is a righteous rage you're feeling. But you, you need a place, a safe space, and maybe this, this podcast is a safe space where you're like, I'm not alone, I'm not crazy, I'm being informed, and there has to be a way out. So maybe we can give people a way out through simply sharing these stories at this time as well. That's how I try as a parent. You know, and I have to tell you that the like with over 800,000 Americans dead now, every single one of us has a connection in some way or another to someone that has passed. Mm. And the reality is, is, you know, we're seeing reports, U.S. World News reported that suicide attempts among teenagers is up 50 percent. 50% among girls mm. alone, 25% among boys. 
we are creating a generation of trauma, right? And while you and I, and I can say, and I, you know, the truth is, is that when I say I feel crazy, it is because some days my body, my mind is exhausted. Like I feel like I have pushed myself to the brink with just being in Twitter, right? Connecting with our other friends and colleagues, like trying to make sense about what's going on and just realizing none of this makes sense. We want to talk about infantilizing. I, I was listening to cable news and hearing a, 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 a guest state that Don Jr. in his text to Mark Meadows seemed to be showing a sign of maturity. Oh, yeah. The man is 43 <laughs> years old. <laughs> But we infantilize white men to the point that Donald Trump is 75 years old and they're just like, he's showing some signs of, you know, really being president and really like who the fuck gets to learn on the job except for except for. He had the right tone. He had the right tone in his speech. He had they, the they right said, tone. They said Very that shit in 2020. Up to 2020, they said that. He, he got the tone right. He got the tone right. And I'm like, but he can't read off the teleprompter. But I want to go back to what you were saying with regard to trying to ground your children as well as yourself in a place of wellness. And, yeah. and, and to be honest, what does that look like? Because if a 30-year-old with all the things going for them and a, a, a future ahead, right? Like, goes home and just looks around and says, I'm done, right? And takes their own life. And we can't just say like, oh, you know, it's, 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 it's a series of mental illness. It's like, no, the times are creating, yeah. are creating this perfect storm of anxiety and depression, it, not only in ourselves as adults, but in our children. Like I think, was, you know, the other day, Again, we're we're watching this play out in Oxford, Michigan, which by the way, this week, several schools, guess what? Not sending closed down. Why? Not because of COVID, but because of consistent copycat threats of gun violence coming and in. And you're talking about the Crumbleys, Ethan Crumbley, whose mm -hmm. parents gave him the gun and then he went and shot and killed four people. Caught, shot and kills four people. The parents are now standing trial, each of them for four counts of manslaughter, right? for not locking up their weapon, which by the way, is not the law in Michigan. You don't have to do it. You can leave your gun loaded on the kitchen table, right? This is gonna be the first case where parents are actually tried. But I say all this to say that the duress that we're sending our kids to school in. So you have a middle schooler in Michigan right now and you're telling them you're staying home today. School is closed. Well, mom, dad, why is school closed? Oh, well, there's an active shooter threat that came in. But maybe you can go back on Friday. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I'm not even laughing. I just, it just, it's, it's, I remember, I think I said this on, on the show maybe two weeks ago. I said, America hates its children. And I, I, yeah, I remember when we were talking about this originally, I said, America hates its kids because it's the only country where mass shootings like this happen on a weekly basis, which would, outrage and horrify any other nation and immediately overnight create massive changes and gun reform. But America, we shrug it off. And instead we tell our kids, all right, kid, you go back. Uh, and without a mask, by the way, because we're attacking masks and without vaccines, because we're attacking vaccines during a pandemic. And there might be a nutty student 
that has uh, access to an assault rifle because we haven't banned those and he might shoot up the school. And we're going to ask one of you to be a hero and maybe sacrifice your life. And then the rest of you, while wearing masks, uh, jumping out the window. If that's literally what happened uh, in uh, Michigan, that this shooter tried to lie and get through the door. They recognized that he was lying and they they kind of blockaded the door and quickly got out through the window. That's a normal day. It's so yep. normal that we now have not just fire drills. When I was old, when I was growing up, and I'm th- this is how old I am, Daniel. We only had fire drills. Only. Now we have shooting drills. Yes. So you have shooting drills, fire drills, schools that are shut down, kids who didn't get to go to a prom because of pandemic. Now you have people in Missouri and Tennessee and Florida, Republicans, attacking health officials and schools trying to protect their kids with vaccine mandates, uh, mask mandates. You got teenagers trying to figure out their future. We have made college absolutely unaffordable, crippled them with student loan debt. That's another big news that came out that Biden's not going to extend the student yep. loan forgiveness, which, by the way, was helpful for me. I'm a 41-year-old man still trying to pay off my law school debt. And I was like, oof, one year of relief. Now, if you're a student or a graduate like me, uh, sucks to be you. Figure that shit out for yourself, because now you got this student loan debt to pay during a pandemic with massive interests. And by the way, no paid parental leave. So we hate mothers also. Match is probably going to kill that. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so to just add on to the thread, why are we surprised that mm. our children and our young folks are having suicidal thoughts and are depressed? Especially when this country, with the most powerful country in the world, just spent eight hundred billion dollars on the military-industrial complex, bipartisan. We found eight hundred billion dollars, but we won't spend money to strengthen Medicare. We won't spend money on free pre-K, community college. We won't. We treat mental health as some sort of weird outlier disease, right? That if you're weak, you have mental health issues, right? Even though when a, someone gets a sprain, we don't say that. When someone like you know breaks their arm, but if God forbid you have a mental health problem, then you're seen as weak. Right. And we're not going to give kids and young adults the resources to treat that. And then you say, OK, go to school and put yourself up from the bootstraps, you lazy bastard. And you might have a school <laughs> shooter, but your yes. job is to, to tackle that school shooter or shoot back. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put more guns in schools. We're going to arm the teachers because <laughs> what could go wrong if the teachers have guns? I mean, you say all of that, and I'm like, where is your hookah wash? I just want to sit on a freaking couch and, like, just forget it. I mean, that threat, this, 
And just so people are clear, that thread that you just laid out was 2021, right? Like, <laughs> that was just, those are the highlights of what happened this last, year. Last three months, actually. That's the last three months without me realizing it. I just want you know, to cry. But you know, can you say this, though? Because we're listening, right? You said something really important. And I think just coincidentally, I had a conversation right before this podcast. You're talking about wellness. And, 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 and I think it's one of those things that while we're discussing this, right? And I want to ask you this also. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, and I'll offer my tips, but mm-hmm. how do you stay sane and sober and calm? And and someone ha- asked me this question. And people ask me this question all the time. They say, because they say, you know, you've gone through a lot, your daughter, her cancer, pandemic, you got yeah. three kids. And you seem like relatively, like you, you seem centered. And so I don't know if I am, but what I try to do is I acknowledge that I will not be able to control everything. And I will not be able to understand everything and I will not be able to protect my family from all the horrors, but there's only so much I can do. So I think once during the pandemic, I made peace with my limitations. That was very freeing. And there's a saying in Islam, which is a great saying. It says, uh, have faith in God, but tie your camel first, which means do everything in your power that you can do, but then you have to let it go. Yeah. Then you let it go. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing I would say is, and this is really important is I steal, I literally take time out of each day to invest in joy. Like I work at joy. And I think the reason why that's important is people think joy will come to them. Nope. But when you're in a perpetual fight flight mode that we are in right now, it's a fight flight mode and we're human beings in evolution. You, you steal yourself. You have to kind of rejigger your brain to be like, like an exercise. I will work at joy today. I will work at cooking something that gives me joy. Mm-hmm. I'll, work, I'll work at eating an ice cream, playing with my kids, making a Lego set, you know, going out and running. Whatever gives you that moment of joy, I think it's so important. And it gives you that mental health and release needed for us to fight this battle in the long run. Because it is, I keep saying this on the show, this is a long-term battle for the soul of America. They are playing for all the marbles. And I need everyone in this game. I cannot have you guys tapping out. You know, I, it's, it's, it's so good and, and such a good question because on my other podcast on Woke AF, I talk about this all the time. My mother is a yogi. She owns a yoga studio um, out east on Long Island in New York. And she has been my, you know, spiritual guide since birth, right? Mm. But one of the things that she had noticed over the years, particularly over the Trump years, she would say, Danielle, you are becoming you are taking on this rage at a cellular level. Mm. You are changing the cells in your body because you are so angry. And I would say to her, well, if you're not, you know, if you're angry, if you're paying attention, right? And my job is to pay attention. And if finally it took the pandemic, Wash, mm. for me to realize that I do like what you just said about the saying in Islam. I had to recognize that I can only control so much. That's right. And I, I can only feel, I can only do so much and say so much, and then I have to put it in the universe's hands, right? I, can, I feel that a part of my job is to wake people up. A part of my job is to provide thoughtful analysis with some edge, with some anger, because, I, because it's how I feel and I know other people feel it. But then I have to let it go. And so I began a regular meditation practice. I began a regular prayer practice. I walk all the time. 
you know, just because I was doing these kind of aggressive fitness and I was like, I don't need more aggression. <laughs> like I actually, I don't need to box all the time. I don't need to beat the shit out of my Peloton bike. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like I just kind of need to rest and like, and restore and reflect uh, on what I can do. But, you know, it, it was, it was an interview that I did a couple of weeks ago um, with Clint Smith, who is a, a, a staff writer uh, at the Atlantic. And he talked about the fact, I said, how do you, how do you hold on to hope? Right. Which is a question that I ask almost everybody uh, that I have an opportunity to talk to because I'm looking for tips and tricks and tactics to not go insane. Mm. And he said, you know, Danielle, I think about our ancestors. I think about the enslaved Africans who were never going to experience freedom. They were never even going to be able to taste it. They didn't even know if the children that they were birthing would taste it or their children's children. But they kept fighting for it. And they kept dreaming for mm. something that they were going to have a hand in ushering forward, but that they may not get to. And he's like, and so if we understand that, unfortunately, this is the marathon of justice. This is what this looks like. And that we are all at one time or another holding the baton and running our part. We may never see the ticker tape parade at the end, right? We may never run through physically the tape at the end of the race, but we will have moved, right? The rest of generations to come forward. And if we don't rest assured in that fact, right? Then we are going to give up. We are going to throw up our hands and be like, I'm done. But it's a way to remove yourself from it, right? And understand what my part is and That's then right. let it go. It gives you meaning, purpose, and it connects you to something bigger than yourself. And I think that that need for connection, that need for a place in the story is very important because I think, I'm so glad you said that because I think so many people might tap out and say, who am I? I'm nobody. Oh, if I let myself go, the world will be a better place or the world won't even care. And that's not that's not it. Like we need you because I, I like that analogy of the, the baton. It, it's almost like every parent thinks this, right? I might not live long enough to see the fruits of my labor, right? But if I could plant a seed, at the very least, maybe my children can have the shade of the garden, mm. right? And maybe then they plant the seeds and they have the fruit, right? And so that's the way we keep pushing forward is I might not taste the fruit, but I can do my part, right? What can I do to push this forward? And if I don't see the end, uh, my children can get closer and my grandchildren can, inshallah. And and, and that, that connects us to this chain, literally this chain of humanity. And I feel so strong. I know you do as well, is that so many of your, aunt, like especially black folks, they've went, they've gone through so much and you're seeing white rage try to hijack and choke hold us back to 1953, right? And so for their sacrifices and for their dreams deferred, uh, should we not at least do our part? Yep. And while we're doing our part, it also means taking care of ourselves and realizing we're fragile, we're human beings, we're not supermen and superwomen, and we need to be in the long run, in the long game for the marathon. And the final thing I'll say is so many people in this space whether it's in media or activism, academia, you know this, Danielle, they measure success through martyrdom. They're like, look how many arrows I've taken. Look mm -hmm. how I suffered. I'm a masochist and now I'm dead at the age of 45. 
and, and, I, and I keep saying, no, I want you to live to the age of 85 and be happy and have partners and children. That's what I want from you. Like, you're no use to me if you're dead at 45. I need, I need to extract more work from you. I need 35 years more worth of more work from you. But you can only do that is if you invest in joy and your health and, and, and you know, you walk the path. And inshallah, we walk the path uh, and we'll all get there. And if we don't get there, our kids will get there. So I think that's, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody here with our friend Wajahat Ali. And we will be back next week through the grace of God <laughs> by Inshallah. the universe. Inshallah. Inshallah.